going to go ahead and get started. Jill, you want to uh, you want to pray for us? you've given us Lord Jesus we gather in your name we ask that you would be with us tonight that you would lead us and guide us into all truth that you would open our eyes that we could uh, see wondrous things in your word and that the lessons that uh, the Holy Spirit needs to teach us individually that you would be teaching us God we're claiming those promises that you're leading us guiding us into all truth and you're helping us, Lord, and you're encouraging us and strengthening us. And I pray that we do that with one another. Be with Bruce tonight in everything that he says. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I am excited about the book of Hebrews and what I'm learning and what my wife's learning and uh, hopefully what you guys are learning. <clears throat> and uh, we're, we have arrived to the fourth chapter. And this is the fourth lesson, fourth chapter. Seem like we're pretty organized here and we've hit a stride and uh, we might get one chapter every week or we may not. But tonight our, our, our lesson is on chapter four and uh, my purpose in standing before you tonight is that when we leave you will have a better understanding of what the rest, R-E-S-T of God is, what it literally is, the rest that he has for his people today in 2021, and number two, uh, that you have a much stronger desire to enter into and to obtain that rest. Um, I think that was the same purpose that the author had when he wrote to these young, uh, immature Jewish Christians that were being persecuted and their family was disowning them. Uh, many of them were not allowed to go to the synagogue. They were outcasts. And they were struggling, and it appears that they were they were tempted to turn around and go back to the Judas to Judeo system, and the rituals and the uh, feast and the things that were given to to the children of Israel by Moses. And uh, so that's why I'm here tonight. I don't know why you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know why you're here, but I'm here so that you can have a better understanding of what God's rest is and have a deeper desire to enter into that. So with that said, we'll get... i got get... notes in my Bible that says, what does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> yeah. Rest. I'm in the right place. Yes. And I'll tell you, uh, when we get... I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but you have to look at other places to pull into Scripture to pull it together because there's not... Uh, one verse in the Bible that says God's rest for the New Testament church equals it's not there. So you got you got to work at it. You got to labor to get to it. Um, Hebrews chapter four makes three things very clear: that God does have a rest for His people during the church age. That would be me, and that would be you. There's a rest. Okay, what is it, Paul? We're going to talk about it. That we can obtain it. And we can miss it. Very clear. And that we do have a high priest that is there to help us obtain it. Okay, so those are three things that we that we know from the I I'll get to my lesson in a little while, but that's that's what we know is that he does have a rest. We can't obtain it, 
or we cannot obtain it, or, and he does have help for us to get to it. Tonight, this is our outline. I called it Wise Counsel. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to cover the f- four let us phrases that are in the fourth chapter. Now, the, 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 the phrase let us appears 13 times in the 13 chapters of Hebrews. That doesn't appear one in each chapter, obviously, or you wouldn't have four in chapter four. But we're going to, we've made our outline out of these four let us exhortations. Now, last week and the week before, we, we, we talked multiple times about the exhortation, the uh, exhorting, the encouraging, the, we're going to get to chapter 10 where it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So it's, it's not about uh, me and mine, it's about us. It's, Jesus said, you'll know uh, that they're my disciples by their love one for another. So it's, it's about helping each other. It's about praying for each other. It's about encouraging each other. And it's further emphasized by those two words, let us. And so we got four let us uh, phrases, and uh, we're going to start off in, in verse 1 with let us fear not obtaining God's rest. We're going to go down to let us labor to enter into God's rest. Let us hold fast uh, the profession, and then let us come boldly to the throne of grace. So those are the four let us's in the fourth chapter and where they appear. Now, underneath the first one, we're going to talk about what we know about God's rest. That was after his six days of creation. That's important. Remember, Paul, I said you can't just go to one place to find out what this rest is. You got to look here. We're going to find out about God's rest for the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they spent 40 years in the wilderness and then they entered into the promised land, which is, which is a type and a shadow of the new birth when they crossed over the Jordan, not when they crossed the Red Sea, when they crossed over Jordan. And then we're going to talk about what God's rest is for us. And uh, so that's the outline we're going to try to stick to tonight. Any questions on that? Come in, come in. Let us fear, godly fear that fuels faith. I'm going to read the scriptures as we get to them. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Let us therefore fear, fear what? A promise being left us of entering into his rest if any of us should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel of the good news preached that we could have God's rest, okay, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that, that heard it. That, that is referring to the children of Israel. That's our second, you know, we've got God's rest, the children of Israel, and then us. So right here he's referring to the children of Israel, and they had it preached to them, but they didn't enter in, and it was because of their, uh, they didn't have faith mixed with it. While we're here, I just want to make sure we understand that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But f- make sure you understand what fear is. There is a fear that you, got, that you must have. The fear of the Lord is absolutely, I think that's what's missing in our nation. The fear of the Lord is a, is a good thing. So, you know, we're living in a society, no fear, you know, everybody's, don't tell me what to do and I'm big and bad. Well, we have nothing to fear if we're Christians. You know, the only thing we should fear, we shouldn't fear bankruptcy. If it happens, God's going to, God, you know, we're, we got an eternity, okay? And so we shouldn't fear uh, uh, COVID-19. You know, we should not fear. Now, we shouldn't be stupid and walk around and, 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 and expose ourselves. But uh, 
but no fear except for a reverence and awe of God. Now, what does that fear get us? It gets us wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Psalms 11. It gets us mercy, but the mercy of the Lord is from where? Everlasting to everlasting. That's a, that's a lot of mercy, but it is to who? To them that fear him. Okay, so fear is a good thing if it's the right kind of fear. It gets us knowledge. Who doesn't want knowledge? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Psalms chapter 1. And then, of course, our, our verse tonight, the very first verse of chapter 4, fear will get you the rest of God if you fear not getting it and it, and it motivates you to get it. Okay, let's see if I got anything else in my notes. I think that's it. Now we're going to get into the heart. Chapter 3. And I've got kind of a long section here, so just bear with me. Hebrews chapter 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Now that believe is, a real, is the real deal. That's not the mamsy-pamsy. That's, that's believing. Okay? Uh, we that do believe are entered into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works which uh, were finished from the foundation of the world... For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. Now he's going to back up and talk about God's rest with a Sabbath. You know, there's, there's groups that think that the Sabbath is still uh, to be set apart and, and, uh, and they tie it back to when God rested on the seventh day. Let me ask you, you think God was tired? No. <laughs> I, just, I just, there's things in your Bible that you need to, you need to dig deep and, 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 and drill down on. Do you think God was tired? Do you think that's why he rested? When we think of rest, we think because we're exhausted, right? Well, God's not exhausted on the seventh day after he created for six days, okay? Neither did Jesus need to get baptized for the remission of his sins. But some things people do, for examples, I'll just let that soak before I really get too deep into it now some things people do for examples not because they're tired or not because they got sent uh, did one of my papers fly away oh all right let's see where was i at for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise and god did rest the seventh day from all his works and in this uh, place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of? Unbelief. Big word, big word. Unbelief. Remember that, unbelief. They entered not in because of unbelief. That's talking about the children of Israel under Joshua, okay? Uh, again, he limited a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, that's important, hear his voice, unbelief, harden not your heart. Those are all important statements, and they're, they're, they're through the whole book of, of Hebrews. For if Jesus, that is Joshua, had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God has his. Now, don't interpret that, that if you start trusting God and resting in God, that you can retire from State Farm, Paul. That's not what that means, okay? I'm glad you circled it and said, what does this mean? Because that's not what that means, because Adam, Adam was in God's rest in, the, in Eden, and he had to dress the garden, right? 
You know, um, what that refers to, you know how the scripture says we're not saved by works? Not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not our works. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. So that rest is when we're being led of the Spirit and uh, in compliance with God's work. Um, let me see where I'm at here. Okay. No wonder. <clears throat> okay. Let's move on. What do we know about God's rest? Now, this is, now I'm, I'm only talking about the seven days of creation and then that seventh day. Some people think it was a thousand year period or whatever, but it was that seventh day that's referred to in the, the book of Genesis, the first chapter, and God rested from all his work. So what do we know about that? Let's just talk, let's don't talk about what we don't know. Let's talk about what we do know. We do know that God's spoken word was required for him to get to that, right? He said, let there be, and there was. And he said, let there be again, there was. And he said, let there be. So we know that for a fact, right? We're going to see that in God's rest. We're going to see that in what he wanted the children of Israel to have. And guess what? We're going to see that for our rest. God's spoken word. There's nothing like the word of God. Secondly, uh, there had to be order. Remember, he started off, all things were without form and void, and, and God is a very uh, organized God. God is not an author, the author of confusion. Uh, creation was without form and void. All the, uh, of creation testifies that he is a God of order. Even a housewife can identify with this. If your house is a mess and you just feel a little uneasy and you don't have that rest because that, you got you know you, you, you dirt tracked everywhere and, and Dirty clothes that need to be washed and the dishes are stacked up. in. You wives know what I'm talking about? Well, that's just a little model. Order is, is, produces rest. Order produces rest. And God had order. Everything was in order. All of God's creation was in order. Third thing, he didn't rest on day two, did he? Didn't rest on day three, did he? After everything was done, he rested. The author, by pointing to creation and the seventh day of rest, makes it clear that completion of the job is required. Okay, we're going to find out the children of Israel didn't complete the job. We're going to find out that these people that the author's writing to we're between turning back and moving forward. And he's trying to encourage them, hey, complete, your, complete the journey. There's a maturity in Christ. The Bible calls it perfect. That word appears 13 times in the book of Hebrews as well. But that none of us, y'all can quote me, none of us are ever going to be perfect, okay? There was one perfect one, okay? None of us are ever going to be perfect. But that word perfect means mature and complete, okay? So, God finished the job, then he rested. The author deeply desires that the Christian Jews finish and obtain rest. Not give up and leave the faith. We must follow the pattern established in the beginning and grow past all unbelief, complete the job of spiritual maturity in order to get the rest that is available for us. Maturity in Christ. Number four. Dominion. Remember, God 
uh, created man in his own image and gave him dominion. And man, it's, it's, I get pumped up just thinking about it. Genesis 126 or 27, and somewhere in there, he says, I gave you all the dominion over the creeping fowls and the birds and the plants and everything that's, you know, he had dominion. He lost it. But in order to get to the seventh day and to get to the rest, he established that dominion that man later gave away. You and I have to get to that place. We have to get to that place of maturity and of spiritual maturity and dominion so that the enemy's not pulling us around like we got a nose in our uh, uh, earring in our nose. Uh, a ring in a nose ring in our nose. That's what I'm talking about. We got, we've got to have dominion. And then uh, the Lord spoke and said that everything was good. When you get there, you'll know. When you get to the rest of God in your life, you'll know because... You'll have peace with God. And we're going to talk about that peace that passes all understanding. What do we know about the uh, children of Israel and their rest? We know that the word of God guided them. And we're going to talk about that a little later. How that every time they, when they crossed into the promised land, if you go there, I challenge you. Every time that God gave them instructions about battle, they won. If it was blowing a horn or if it was Jehoshaphat coming down the, the mountain with the, with the uh, instruments all out in front or if it was Gideon with his, with his uh, horn and his pitchers that he broke with clay with the candle, whatever it was, if it was Jericho, which we'll talk a little bit about later so I don't want to get ahead of myself, march around seven times. If God gave them the instructions, they won. Every time they did their own thing, they lost. It's not rocket science because we're in a spiritual warfare. We're in a spiritual battle here, and there's one who sits very high, and he looks very low, and he gives instructions, and he instructs, and he teaches. So um, God's Word. Secondly, this is what God wanted for them when they crossed, in, when they crossed the Jordan River. He wanted to guide them and lead them. Okay? He wanted them to possess the land. God wanted the children of Israel to possess the land that he had promised Abraham. He, did, he didn't want to, uh, him to have a, a mortgage on the land and owe a big bank note. He didn't want them to be slaves. He didn't want them to rent the land. He said, here, I want you to possess the land. I want you to be a landowner. Now, they had been slaves for 400 years. They probably didn't know what that meant what it felt like, or what it even was. But that was God's design for them. He wanted them to be, he wanted to guide them. He wanted to be right in the middle of their life. He wanted to, uh, them to possess the land. And he wanted them to dwell without false worship. All the land of Canaan, the descendants of Abraham, dwelling in the land, circumcision, the law, everything he gave Moses. And here, you know, listen to me now. Because I don't read good, so you got to listen good. Numbers 33, 51. God speak it. This is what God wanted for him, David. Speaking to the children of Israel and saying to them, When ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite... Pluck down all their high places, and ye shall dispossess 
in the inhabitants of the land and that dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. That's what God wanted. And he goes on and says, For if you, now watch now, Naomi, if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from which uh, before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain, they're going to be pricks in your eyes. I mean, he likes that. Thorns in your side and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Pricks, thorns, vex. Okay. Moreover, it gets worse. If you don't do it, this is what God wants you to do. Instructions. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I, uh, that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. If you don't drive them out, they're going to be pricks and thorns and vex. But moreover, what I'm asking you to do to them, what I'm wanting to do to them, which is wipe them out, drive them out, I'm going to do it to you. That's what God wanted. We're talking about the rest of God. He's trying to get his people into a rest. Okay? Into his rest. All right? And finally, dwell there in safety and peace. That's what God wanted. He loves his children, right? He had this covenant with Abraham. He was going to fulfill. You don't have to worry about God's side of the bargain. You don't have to worry about God's promises. They're yea and amen. And he wanted to have these people dwelling in this land. He didn't want them worshiping idols. And All right. Here's what he said. This is... Um, God speaking, I think, to Moses. Ye shall not do after all the things that ye do. Now, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel. They're about to cross over into the promised land. And remember, Moses is not going to get to go with them. Joshua's going to lead them. And Moses is going to go up on Mount Nebo and die. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. He said, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. That's over with. You're crossing over in the promised land. You can't just do what you want to do. For ye are not as yet come to the rest, R-E-S-T, and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. But when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies... Round about, uh, so that ye dwell safely, then uh, there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Y'all know what he's talking about there? He said Jerusalem was going to be the place where he put his name. He said, Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heath offerings of your hand, and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. That's the feast days where they would come up once a year, or three times a year, they were mandatory to come up to Jerusalem for the feast days. That, God's kind of telling them what He wants for them. He's, he's giving them the design. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maidservants. So there you have it, Sister Ellen. He wanted them to get in the land. He wanted to put His name right there among them. He wanted them to drive out the inhabitants. He wanted them to own the land. He wanted God to rule and reign. He wanted God to speak to them. That's, that was his desire. Okay? So we, we know um, kind of what 
God's rest looked like after his creation and what was required to get to that point. We know now more, hopefully, than we did know about the children of Israel and what their rest kind of looked like. And, and we're going to come back to it a little bit when we get to laboring to get into the rest. Uh, we'll, we'll have some more teaching there. Now we're going to talk about our rest. What do we know about God's rest for us? We know that there's an eternal rest. We know that there's walls of jasper and gates of pearl and streets of gold and and that there's no more sickness and pain. That's not what the scripture, I'm thoroughly convinced, that's not the rest that Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about. It's talking about a rest in this life that we can have by having a relationship, the right kind of relationship with our Savior and with our Redeemer. Um, Psalm 37, 37. Thou thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. We've got to go a lot of places, uh, Paul, to answer your question. We're starting to talk about our peace. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Psalm 37, 37. You ought to be able to remember that one. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that ye might uh, have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. You, 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 you may be, your expectation may be wrong on this peace that we're talking about. We're not talking about peace with the Middle East. We're not talking about peace with the Altifa or MS-30. That's not the peace he's talking about. He's not talking about uh, carnal peace. He's talking about spiritual peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Our high priest, our captain of our salvation, has overcome the world. Uh, David is going to read us another glimpse of what our peace looks like. Psalms chapter 91. Go ahead, brother. He that dwelleth in the secret place of Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of... Wait, wait, wait. wait I got something to say there. I got, some, I got an NIV translation of that. Let's see. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Oh, wait a minute. Wrong one. NIV. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest... In the shadow of the Almighty. That's the NIV. You like that? It, at least it put our key word in it, didn't it? Yes, it did. All right, go ahead, brother. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and of the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Shall not be afraid. Keep going. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Uh, uh, why, why, why are you going to have that rest? Because why? He's, my dwelling place, my habitation. 
That's good enough. That's where, that's where God wants us to be. He wanted the children of Israel to possess that land. He wants us to dwell in that secret place of the Most High. Amen? All right, I got another one here. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.2 2 says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We might not have a lot of peace in our life because we're not pursuing it. We know, you know, they, they say you can always hit a target, right? Bullseye. Do you know that, Ellen? You just throw the dart first, and then you go draw the, you go draw, you see. It works every time, Jay. It's, you know, I, I've never missed one. I, I just, but listen, I think the right thing is you got to have a plan, and you got to shoot, shoot at it. Um, I skipped Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Now, this is, this is good stuff here, guys. Be anxious and be careful for nothing. Nothing, as the old Cajun boy would say. But in everything, now, now here's the one supposed to be, God, you remember the spoken word in, in the first rest? You remember the spoken word in the second? Well, here it is. Um, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, what's next week? Thanksgiving. No, uh, you're supposed to do that once a year, right? You're supposed to be thankful once a year. Let your request be made known unto God. Now, here's, here's the result. If you'll do that. And the peace of God, comma, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace that passes understanding. Now, what are we going to do with that? We, we, all we can have, all we can rise to is our understanding, right? I mean, this is peace that passes that. How does that work? It's the rest of God. It's the secret place of the Most High. Man can't, I can't put it out here in an equation. I wish I could. I can read you the scriptures. I can t- tell you the stories, but God has to reveal it to you and God will take you by the hand and take you there. He'll walk with you like he did. You know his design, and, and I may be getting ahead of myself, but he walked in the cool of the day with Adam. Before the fall, what was God's original design? No sin, communion with man, leading, guiding, no, no idol. Yeah, just no idol worship. Okay, let's see where we're going. God's original design was man and God in perfect communion. Now we're going to go to some um, important points about rest noted in the book of Hebrews. Firstly, we can only get God's rest if we believe and have faith. Remember that big word, unbelief? Belief and unbelief? That's uh, four, chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Now I've got an example here for you. So... I don't believe if you teach, you can really get understanding unless God reveals it to you. But secondly, I think the, the, uh, the low-hanging fruit where you can give a modern-day example really helps a lot of times. So I'm going to try. Y'all don't laugh at me for my example now. Now, life is stressful, right, Doc? But if your brother got elected president of the United States, you'd have a little less. You'd probably have a lot more peace in your life. You know, you wouldn't worry about Illinois State Trooper writing you a ticket, would you? Just tell him what to do, kind of, sort of, in a godly Christian kind of way, you know? 
Why is that? Why would your life be uh, more restful and more peaceful if your brother got elected president? I'll tell you why. Two reasons. You ready? Your brother has unbelievable power. And you have a very close relationship with him. Uh, y'all missed it. I'm going to do like Jeff Arnold. Y'all missed that. I'm, we're talking about God here now. You know, I'm giving you an, a, as good a, a pitiful example as I can give you. But how much power does God have? So the two th- things, the two reasons that you would have rest in your life or have a better life if your brother was elected president is that you had this tremendous relationship with him and he's got power. Right now they say the president's the most powerful man on the planet. I don't know. Uh, number two, Hebrews gives us an example of successful rest. That would be God, seventh day. We're talking about important points mentioned in Hebrews about rest. Number three, Hebrews gives us an example of unsuccessful rest. Next, we must, quote unquote, hear his voice to enter into that rest. Now, John chapter 1, St. John chapter 1 says, as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, that son there, that's the new birth, but that son in the Greek is is the word uh, technon in the Greek. You know what it means? Son. (laughs) But it's a son, son. It's a biological son. It's a DNA son. It's just you're a son of God because you were born. It's an immature son. It's a diaper son. It's a suck in the bottle. It's just a son. But Romans 8.14 says the word son. But it's not, it's not technon. It's weos in the Greek. You know what that scripture says? You know what a weos is? A, ma- a mature son. It's a son. <laughs> it is son because it translates over. He's being smart, Ellie. It's a mature son. It's a mature son that is led. Let me, read, let me quote the verse for you. As many as are led L-E-A-D. By the Spirit of God, they are the S-O-N-S. They are the sons of God. We us. They're the ones that are going to get the rest of God. R-E-S-T. Not the rest of God, but the rest of God. Okay? So, uh, so we got to hear His voice. Okay, I'll, I'll move on. I could, we could stay there for a while. Um, the rest is exclusive. Exclusively to who? God doesn't offer it to you know, everybody, you got to be one of God's people. And let's see, we must cease from our own works and dwell with God. John six twenty eight says, Then said, he, uh, said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So we got to give up our work, and and that doesn't that means, um, and that particularly can mean like the Jewish people in their rituals and their their calves and their goats and the, and the picking up sticks and all the external stuff. We got to give that up because that doesn't is 
the works that we have are the works of God, which is believe in Him. And we can't believe Him unless we hear, hear His voice. Okay, does that make sense? All right, here's where we're at. Here's where we, here's where we are, I guess. Here's where we're at. That sounds like a Louisiana. Right? So we finished this and we finished these three. Now we're going to get down to some real important stuff. How do we get this rest? How do we get the, 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 the peace and the rest that everybody's looking for? Um, let us labor. <clears throat> so I just want to let y'all know where I was on the chart in case some of y'all were getting nervous thinking I was just in the first part. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven thirteen says, Let us labor, therefore, to do what? To enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. There's that unbelief word again. We don't want to do what the, the second example was. We don't want to follow that one. We want to do the first one, okay? The word, then he goes immediately, immediately. He doesn't take a pause or take a coffee break. He goes immediately into the word. Okay? We got to labor for the word of God. You got it? It's quick, powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing the evening to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The same Greek word that translates labor in Hebrews 4, right here, translates give diligence in 2 Peter 1.10. Y'all know what that verse is? Add to your faith virtue, add to virtue knowledge, add to knowledge temperance. And he's got about eight or nine things that you're supposed to be pressing toward, line upon line. You're supposed to be pursuing. And it's the same Greek word as labor, give diligence. Word of God brings health. It brings healing. We're begotten by the Word. The Word has healing power. Uh, God's Word cleanses us. Uh, the Word of God hidden in our heart keeps us from sin. God's Word is a counselor. God's Word is a source of strength. God's Word imparts life. God's Word is a source of illumination and guidance. God's Word gives peace to those who love it. When the Word of God is heard and understood, it bears fruit. The Word of God has inherent power and authority against demonic powers. When we are in the Word, we are in Christ. Uh, abiding, living in God's Word is evidenced by true discipleship. God's Word is the means of sanctification. The Holy Spirit can work with great power as the Word of God is preached. And I could go on and on, but I'm going to run out of time if I do, so I'm going to stop there. Uh, why does the author uh, immediately after talking about labor go into the Word? Because you must have the Word to get to the rest that God has for us. Okay? We must labor to enter into that rest. Let's see where I'm at. I'm going to give you some verses now. They should be in your notes. Hopefully they are. If you missed a blank, fill in the blank. Just see Sister Rose because Jill gave her all the answers. She cheated. We must labor to enter into this rest. Jesus said, watch me now, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I, nobody else, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We're talking about how to labor, how to get there. 
We know it's the peace of God. We know it's a place that it, it surpasses our understanding. It's a peace that passes. But how do I get there? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and... When, they, when you hear that verse quoted, how many times do you hear it when they just leave those four, four words out? Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. That's your mind. That's your, so, your soul is your mind, okay? Everybody on the planet, Sister Ellen, is looking for peace of mind. All they need is Matthew 11, 28, and 29. That's it. Just let them have it. You know, put it on a... a Social media? Solve everybody's problem. There it is. Could you imagine? We're talking about strength and power of God. Could you imagine yoking up with God? Y'all know what a yoke is. It's not the yellow part of an egg. Okay? It's, it's this wooden thing. And you farm boys know what I'm talking about. Paul probably has been on the phone. No. <laughs> He's got this little yoke thing, and it probably weighs about twenty. <laughs> you it probably weighs about twenty pounds, and you got you got one on one oxen and one on the other. Well, we got one on me, and we got one on Jesus. And he said in Matthew twenty eight, he said, "I got all power in heaven and earth." So how hard do I need to pull? Just take, just stay in step, right? Just stay. Be, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the Son. Just stay in step, Bruce. Just stay in step. You don't have to. You don't have to exert. We won't stay there. All right. Second Timothy two fifteen. Study. Then we got. We got come. We got learn. We got study. Oh, I don't like to study. Man, why'd you have to bring that one up? Do you want? Do you want to labor to get into His rest? Did God finish? Did, did he go six to eight? Did he complete it before he rested? Yeah. Sister Angel, if you want it, you got to cost you something, right? Yeah. It costs you everything. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Matthew 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall, and it shall be opened. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. John 5, 39, search, study, come, learn, search. And there are many, many, many more scriptures, but this is laboring to enter into his rest. It's not punching the clock on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It's not. That's what the religious world has made it into. That's not it. It's pursuing God. And then finally, on this section, I'm not letting you out yet, so don't get up. Isaiah 28 9. Now, listen real close to this. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk. Now, we're going to talk in the next chapter or the next couple of chapters. Paul, or uh, whoever the author of Hebrews is, is telling these people that they're still on milk and they need to be on strong meat. Okay, But here's who he's going to teach doctrine to, those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. 
For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest. What? Circle it. What is this? This is the rest. What have we been taught? This is the rest. It's, it's line upon line, precept upon precept. Learn of me. Come unto me. That's it. That's it. That's the labor part. It's pray. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your request. It's, it's all of the above. <clears throat> line upon line, precept upon for this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. This is why Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He doesn't take you from, uh, from the batter's box to third base with one step. It's, there's a process. Okay. He doesn't take you from the D-League to the pros overnight. God is very, very organized, and He's a God of order. In the natural, babies grow, plants grow, trees grow, animals grow, and there's a line-upon-line order. When we come to the kingdom, it works the same way. God is not the author of confusion. He works with us and leads us and guides us as we Mature. Even the natural man knows the principle of line upon line, precept upon precept. You don't teach a first grader biology. You don't teach a kindergartner algebra. It is his will and desire for us to grow and obtain order, which is rest. Rest will not come to us like it did not come to the children of Israel if we do not believe as a child, ask, search the scriptures, grow, and obey and put our lives in order. When we choose to labor in the Word to learn of Him and have a relationship with Him, this allows us to get into His rest. Now, i got another example for you. Y'all ready? Jesus told us that we had to come as little children. As we labor and we get deeper revelations and we get closer to Christ and we learn more about Him, we get more and more, it's going to blow your socks off, Sister Rose. We get more and more humble because we see just how fragile we are. He said, without me, John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. Okay. Childlike, trusting. My four-year-old grandbaby has so few cares, so few worries, Yet she is totally dependent on others to protect her, to provide for her. We must get closer to Jesus so that we realize our need of Him and our complete helplessness without Him. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. We must follow God's pattern in order to uh, have due order in our lives. And we're going to talk about due order. We must complete the maturity process, order our lives Drive sin out of our lives and take possession of what the Word says is ours. i got nine minutes till eight. Y'all might run over, but Sister Ellen's the only one I know turns into a pumpkin. <laughs> the conquest. Let's, talk, let's back up now. We're talking about laboring to enter into His rest. 
We talked about that middle one, that children of Israel. Now let's, let's drill down just a little bit. Promised land, they cross over. Verse 8 of chapter 4 in, in Hebrews makes it very clear that they did not labor and obtain the rest that God had for them. They are a picture for us of what not to do. <laughs> so God gave us a picture of what not to do. They entered into the promised land, which is symbolic of the new birth and entering God's kingdom, but they did not obtain God's rest. They needed to labor to get into His rest. They needed to believe and obey God and drive out to heathen and establish God's due order. They came to... Sure. It just hit me. This book is written to the Hebrews. Yeah. All the other epistles are written to... Gentile churches. Basically, yeah. The Hebrews are Jewish believers, people who Holy Ghost knowing the word. Holy Ghost filled Hebrew Christian believers. To them, when he's saying you missed the rest, you missed the opportunity the first time. Right. Here's your These are the ancestors of those people. Yeah, yeah. Your your ancestors missed their opportunity for the rest. Exactly. Here's your opportunity for the rest. I mean that just hit me. Exactly. The, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I got a whole section on what that title means, but my wife won't let me teach it yet. It's going to really blow your socks off. <laughs> they came to Jericho and they obeyed. And there was this unbelievable... Nobody would believe it if you put it in the pantogram. Is that what y'all call this newspaper up here? Nobody would believe that story, right? And they just wiped it. The walls fell down flat. They go and the next battle, just to, I think it's the next chapter... They said, let's go on down there to Ai and whip those little guys. They ain't nothing. God never said a word. He let them go. Now, he told them everything to do in the first battle, and they won just supernaturally. They go down to Ai, and 35, I believe it's 3,500. I might, don't, miss, don't quote me on that. 3,500 Jew, Jewish men, children of Israel, get killed, and they put them on, the, the little old town of Ai put them on the run. Why? They didn't, they didn't seek the Lord. They didn't, get to, they didn't get the voice of God. They didn't hear the word of God. The author informs us that they did not enter into his rest. And the results are very clear. And this is a powerful chapter. Judges chapter 1 and Judges chapter 2. Verse, 20, verse uh, 21 says, The children of Benjamin, that's one of the twelve tribes, did not drive out the Jebusites. And he goes on. 27, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants. Now, these are these people's ancestors. These are their great-great-great-grandparents. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwell at Gezer. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants. Neither did uh, Naphtali drive So you get the picture. That that's, starts at verse 21 and goes to verse 33. Just boom, boom, boom. All the way through the first chapter of Judges. Okay? So they did not follow the pattern. They did not drive out the inhabitants, which was it represents sin to us in our dispensation. They didn't do it. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. The angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Basham and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make uh, no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars but ye have not obeyed my voice. <clears throat> Remember, if you don't obey and do that, they're going to be pricks and they're going to be vex you and thorns. Yeah. Yeah. Why have you done this? This is God asking a question. 
And God knows everything, so he knew the answer. He's just trying to get them to think. Wherefore, I also said, I will not uh, drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it shall come to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the children lifted up their voice and wept when the angel of the Lord spake to them. Go on down to verse 10 of Judges chapter 2. It says, For all the congregation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation. Now this is, God said, you didn't do what I told you to do. This is the next generation. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord. Do you get that, Rob? Why? They didn't follow the rules. They didn't follow the voice of God. They didn't obey. Uh, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done in Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Baal. And they forsook the Lord, their, the God of their fathers, and they brought them out of the land of Egypt. The Lord that brought them out of the land of Egypt, they followed other gods, little g, of the gods of the people that were round about them. And they bowed themselves unto them, and they provoked the Lord to anger, and they forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers to spoil them. Wow. God told him, he said, if y'all don't do it, that's, what, that's what's going to happen. And just like he told them is, what, is exactly what happened. Oh, going the wrong way. David. David says something. <clears throat> y'all write this down because I meant to put it in your notes. First Chronicles 15 and 13. Y'all do a little research on that. David is talking and he, he says, For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after due, D-U-E, order. What's he talking about? David said, we sought the Lord. Remember what Jesus said, come unto me, you know, learn of me. We sought the Lord, but we didn't do it after due order. We got the cart in front of the horse. He got so excited. David was the only man in Scripture, man after God's own heart. He, he wanted the Ark of the Covenant when he became king, and he goes and he sends a golden cart to get it, right? And what happens? They get, they get to celebrating and praising God and, and they're, they're excited. And you would think God would be happy and pleased, right? And Yuza reaches up to steady the ark because it's going to fall in the ditch or in the mud because it's rocking and God strikes him dead. And y'all know the story. David left the Ark of the Covenant at a man named Obed-Edom's house for 90 days and it stayed there while uh, his house was blessed. All the house of Obed-Edom was blessed because of the Ark, the Scripture says. And David went back and searched the Scriptures. Do order. He had not, he had, yeah, there was instructions that God had given years before to Moses. You carry the Ark, you get... Not just anybody. You've got to be a high Levitical priest. You've got to be a priest. You've got to put it on your shoulder. You've got to put it on stage. You've got to transport it a certain way. It is written. So we have to approach God and we have to uh, follow after God according to His due order. I can't just come to God just any old way. We can't just get into His rest just any old way. We have to search the Scriptures. We have to do what the Word of God has instructed us to do. What, what do you think that felt like that day when David's got to go to a funeral? Uh-huh. 
He goes from he goes from so excited to now I got to go bury my buddy here. <clears throat> Even if it makes logical sense to put it on a cart, there nobody nobody would carnal mind is the enemy of God. Nobody would argue that the cart wouldn't wouldn't make more sense. Yeah, intentions are not what matter. <laughs> Do orders what matters. <laughs> Number three. Oh, that tells you where we're at, but since it's 8 o'clock, I guess I better not waste any time telling you where we're at. All right, that's where we're at. We got these, we only covered half the sections yet, so. All right, I'm going to finish that. I got to give me five minutes. Hebrews 4 14, because these are real short. And 15, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, who's that? Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. He's, ta- he's writing to these Hebrew Christians who are teeter-totter, who are struggling. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we yet without sin. Hold fast because we have a high priest that loves us. Hold fast because we have a high priest that died for us. Hold fast because we have a high priest that can and will Help us. Hold fast because our salvation, our eternal salvation, depends on staying the course. Jesus said, He that endureth until the end, the same shall be saved. Uh, move ahead. Don't give up on God. He, he's, the author's saying, don't, don't turn back. Keep pressing toward the mark. Keep going, no matter how hard it is. I heard an inmate say one time, he said, I'm going to live for God if it kills me. You'll get that sometime next week, uh, Paul. (laughs) Don't stop. As a matter of fact, intensify. Amen? Intensify. Last scripture. 16 is the last scripture in the fourth chapter. So y'all are relieved now. We're on the last section, last verse. One verse. Easy. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I will point out here that it's our, our, our appearance at the throne is dependent on His mercy and it's because of our need. Isn't yes. that what it says? That we may obtain mercy in our time of need. So we're needy people and you need to get over your pride. You're a needy person whether you're a multi-millionaire or or if you own the cattle of a thousand, you're a needy person. We don't have another breath uh, without God. Remember the ancestors. They had been afraid to listen to the voice of God. Remember they said, you talk to Moses. Let him tell us whatever we're supposed to do, and we'll do what Moses tells you. We're afraid. Now we have the author of Hebrews telling their descendants, you go talk to God. Right. Oh, but you got a, you got a high priest. You're not going by yourself. You've got a high priest that's already made this available to you. So it had to really kind of rock their world when they read when they read this 16th verse. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And I think that's it. Let me see. I might have one more thing for you. Come boldly. Boldly does not mean arrogantly. Boldly does not mean attitude. Boldly uh, does not mean based on our works, which are filthy rags. Boldly means in full confidence 
due to the Savior who loved us and shed His blood on the cross for our sin. That's the only hope that we have is through the cross, through the Messiah, through the Redeemer, through the Savior. But that's a great hope. That's a great hope. And, and then finally, this is the last slide. So you clock watchers, it's four minutes after eight. <clears throat> Don't stop short of God's throne of grace. <clears throat> when, I, when I read 14 through 16, I went back and reworded it. Not that I can improve on the Word of God, but I can put it in our vernacular that where maybe I can just bring it down a little bit lower so that some of us less intelligent people might just get a little... Here, here's how I reworded it. I didn't change it. I didn't add to, Jay. Don't go back and tell somebody I add to. It's commentary. What does Candace Owen says? It's my opinion, so they won't censor her on uh, Facebook. Everything she says, she puts it's my opinion, because evidently they don't censor it if it's your opinion. So this is commentary. So don't say I added to, and don't say I took away. So here you go. Because we have a great high priest that is passed into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, who came to us, Emmanuel, God with us, and endured all the pain, suffering, and temptations that we feel, and will never leave us, and ever lives to intercede for us, let us come, and in full faith in Jesus, come to the throne of grace, and get help in our time of need. Let's, uh, let's all stand, and I'll, I'll try to close this in prayer. Lord, we're living in a day, and you know what it's like all around, and the turmoil, and the uh, virus, and the riots, and everything that's going on in our world. We need your rest. We need your peace in our life, God. We need to rise up. Uh, and other people need to see our faces shine, Lord. We need to uh, walk in your countenance and walk in your light, walk in your mercy. <clears throat> we don't want to be <clears throat> technons, Lord. We want to be weosses, God. We don't want to be on the milk. Help us to get off of the milk. Help us to get on the strong meat. Help us to be in your presence, God, and to hear your voice. To not go months and months and months without hearing your voice, Lord. To not be a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night Christian, but to be a Christian 24-7. To walk in victory. To do all things uh, according to your will and your way and to do order. I thank you for your word. I pray that you bless each one here. Bless their health and their homes. Protect them during this virus. And uh, I command this virus to leave us alone. I ask you to bless their finances.